0: Coming right up, Straight Talk with Art Levine. Our guest tonight, the president of California State University Long Beach, Dr. F. King Alexander, as we continue our 21st anniversary year.
1: Closed captioning provided by Scan Health Plan. Straight Talk is brought to you in part by Southern California Edison. For over 100 years, life powered by Edison. The Press-Telegram, your local news leader for over 100 years. Join us for tonight's edition of Straight
0: Talk. And now your host, Art Levine. Good evening and welcome to In Conversation. I'm your host, Art Levine, professor in the College of Business Administration at California State University, Long Beach. Our special guest tonight is Dr. F. King Alexander, president of CSULB. Dr. Alexander is moving on after seven years at the helm. He will become the new president of the Louisiana State University System, and also the chancellor of the Louisiana State University campus in Baton Rouge. Tonight's show will be bittersweet. This is the last time following six consecutive annual appearances that we will have Dr. Alexander as a guest on our show. But we certainly wish him well in his new and expanded responsibilities. Thank you, Mr. President, for again joining us. It's my pleasure to be here, Art. As many of our viewers know, you are leaving Long Beach State to take over the reins at Louisiana State University. Uh, What's your feelings right now about that?
1: Well, it's very nostalgic. Uh, we've had a great seven and a half years here. There's just so many great people and, and Long Beach is truly one of the best well-kept secrets in America and we've been fortunate to have worked with so many good people and, and to help so many students uh, through, through to graduation that we have just the fondest of memories of Long Beach. Yeah.
0: Well, We appreciate all you've done in the seven and a half years you've been here. Let's, let's look back a bit uh, and uh, uh, articulate some of the challenges and accomplishments of the last seven years. What what are, what are some of your thoughts on those two items? Well, I,
1: I I'd probably think the, the most important accomplishment re- really pertains to our students and the fact that we've never had higher graduation rates, we've never graduated more students, and we're still committed to the public mission and the public good that, that this great university has been dedicated to for uh, over 60 years. Uh, and we've been able to do that in probably the worst state fiscal circumstances that we've ever had to endure over the last five years. So uh, I'm pleased that our commitment is still strong uh, to keeping students out of debt to providing a good quality education and making sure that our students have highly valued degrees that take them that they can carry with them through for a lifetime.
0: And our university uh, has been highly rated by uh, independent uh, publications such as the Princeton Review and U.S. News & World Report. Yeah. We've
1: constantly been ranked among the best, best values, which I think parents, particularly during this last economic recession, are starting to put a lot more weight into the value of a college experience. And that, I mean, that, that they're not being persuaded because a price is $40,000, $60,000 a year. Yeah and they're not falling into that trap into believing that it must mean they'll receive a real quality educational experience by by going into significant
0: debt. And our graduates graduate with low debt compared to graduates at other public and private institutions. We, our graduates,
1: have some of the lowest lowest student actual dollar debt upon graduation compared to the national averages, but also only about 36 percent of our students graduate with any debt whatsoever compared to the national average of about 72 percent.
0: That could be a real albatross. No matter how good an education you got, if you're leaving with a six-figure debt, That's something you have to worry about for the first five or ten years of your working career.
1: Certainly, and I think there's a lot of, uh, now that student loan indebtedness has, uh, exceeds credit card indebtedness in the nation as the second most in debt form that that our population can be in, uh, it's now over one trillion dollars that students are carrying around. This means students are going to be renters much longer and not <laughs> buyers
0: or live-at-homers uh, or live-at-homers exactly
1: <laughs> and uh, the likelihood of being able to use disposable income to purchase things in the e- the economic marketplace is is substantially d- yeah. derailed and most people don't take that into account when they're they're making economic forecasts and predictions but that's what our
0: students nationwide are getting saddled with i know that universities and in fact institutions are are more than than the physical facilities but physical Facilities are important and some of the highlights over the last seven years, I know the, the Student Wellness Center was a, a big deal.
1: Our Student Recreation Wellness Center has about 5,000 students a day in it and most people say, why is this so necessary on a college campus? Well, one of the most important economic factors in society is the question of health. Whether it's diabetes, it's healthy habits, it's you name it. State budgets are getting swamped by health issues. And one of the best things we can graduate our students with, along with a diploma, is the fact that we've helped them obtain very good health habits, uh, v- healthy lifestyles, and things that they'll carry with them for a lifetime, which will not burden them down the, ro- down the road in terms of economic burden because of the,
0: all the problems associated with bad health. And this was a facility that was paid for by student fees. It's free to students and I know you were very much involved in in helping with the design and you visited other campuses and 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 the students are voting with their feet by going to the facility.
1: All you have to do is go over and in fact it's changed the dynamics of campus because on Friday afternoon normally it would be hard to find an undergraduate student on campus. (laughs) Uh, seven years ago but today yeah. you can walk over on any Friday you can walk over in that part of campus you'll yeah. see thousands of students on campus using the facilities but also using campus facilities.
0: And there's a swimming pool there's a uh, a sauna uh, <laughs> a track it's just a machines. great place for
1: students to, to, to yeah. interact to network to to build relationships for a lifetime. Yeah and some of the other new facilities that uh, the science uh, building. We've actually been fortunate despite this economy we've put up about 300 million dollars in new facilities on campus which include a library complete library renovation our brand new 110 million dollar hall of science which thanks to the stimulus packages kept <laughs> kept 350 construction workers employed uh, mm-hmm. so we could finish
0: that beautiful science facility. And you've been known as you're known as a hands-on president i know you scrimmage with our basketball team and uh in the years some time ago when they weren't doing so well you were putting in more free throws than they were and uh, and, and and you get right in there it must be a great thrill for varsity basketball players to be actually scrimmaging with the president.
1: Well, I, I, I get to know them very well <laughs> yeah. and I, our women's team too, I go down and play with them in the summer and we play and I get to know them as, as students and they get to know me as, as really as, as a person that that's there to help them and help them succeed on campus.
0: And I know move-in day when the new freshmen move into the dorms, you and the staff are down there. and. Tell us that story about uh, one of the parents thought you were the president, the AS president. Well,
1: about seven seven and a half years ago, we were moving a student in, and uh, I introduced the parents to one of the volunteers, which just so happened to be uh, Aaron Nixon, who was the MVP of the Big West Conference in basketball. (laughs) And I introduced the parents that this is Aaron Nixon, who's player of the year in the Big West and and Division I basketball. And Aaron turned around and introduced me as the president of the of the university and the parents were thrilled to death that they had thought they had just met the president of the student government <laughs> <laughs>
0: and then at the end you gave him your card i gave said my card
1: so we were sweaty and i was in a baseball hat That's, so I, I didn't look the that part that is but, so funny
0: <laughs> what are what are some of your other favorite memories of the of the years and i know there must be so many and uh Uh, But um, working with students obviously is at the top of the list, Well, also faculty and staff. Yeah,
1: I think what's so wonderful about our university is, even though it's the 21st largest university in the country, it doesn't feel like that. And it feels like a much smaller family, much smaller place where students have tons of opportunities. And we've always said, we want a campus full of B-plus students doing everything rather than a campus full of A-plus students doing nothing. (laughs) And that, that's taking advantage of the hundreds and hundreds of opportunities that you have outside the classroom as well as inside the classroom.
0: We had a saying at law school, the A students become professors, the B students become judges, and the C students become rich. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's a lot of merit the to people that. people that have to plug
0: that don't have it easy learn the importance of hard work.
1: Well, they, hard work and leadership, a lot of our students yeah. work. Uh, a lot of our students are involved in campus leadership opportunities that they'll carry with them those experiences for a lifetime. The networks that they make on college yeah.
0: campuses last a lifetime, yeah. and we all know that. And Long Beach uh, is a great community as a city, and I know you've worked closely with Mayor Bob Foster during your years here. Uh, tell us your view on the importance of that relationship. Well,
1: anybody that knows, and, and Mayor Foster and others do know this, it's, it's not in a lot of cities throughout the United States, it's town versus gown, or, or gown versus the town. Here, it's town and gown which is wonderful, because great cities need great city. Great cities need great universities, and great universities need great cities. And there's just always a, a common understanding and a common bond with the people of Long Beach and Long Beach State and Cal State Long Beach that, that was here when I got here. And with our college promise and so many other things
0: that we've developed, I just think has only gotten stronger in the last seven and a half years. Long before you got here and, and even before Dr. Max and your predecessor, this campus was known as the mausoleum on the hill, that there was this wall and no one from the city ever came up here and no one from the university ever went down into the city. And thankfully that has really changed.
1: That has changed. And in fact, I can't think of a worse tag to be tagged as as being not integrated or engaged in your community, into the issues of, of your community, into the problems of your community. And if a public university is not out there addressing those issues that the city has and working yes. with the city
0: to address them, then what good is the public university? Quite honestly. And uh, you mentioned earlier the difficulty in in state support that's declined so significantly in, in these last years. Uh, speak for a moment about. Uh, how shorting our students is really shorting our future.
1: Well, California rapidly jumped on board of a a national phenomenon, which is that states are abandoning their commitments to higher education. California caught up to the nation real fast and now has fallen to about 30th in, in tax support based on its wealth and down from about 20th. So California is jumping on a national bandwagon that really essentially abandons our students and abandons the commitments that we make to our students about giving them better educational, or even the same educational opportunities that their parents may have had a, ge- a
0: generation ago. And ironically, uh, the governor's father, the late, great Pat Brown, created the master plan for higher education with the CSU system, the UC system, and the community colleges. And our governor is, is not exactly walking in the footsteps of his father on this.
1: Well, and it, it has national ramifications when California sto- stops supporting its students and children because one out of every eight students in higher education in this nation reside in California in higher education. So it also has national ramifications, significant national ramifications, if we are not working to provide better educational opportunities than the generation before and we're just regressing backwards to a point where
0: we were prior to 1980. And you really could even make the argument that it's a national security issue because uh, our students are competing with students from China and India and throughout the world for high-tech jobs. And uh, uh, if we don't educate the next generation of our workforce, that poses a national security uh, issue.
1: In fact, I, I just had a conversation with Con- a little while ago with Condoleezza Rice about this very issue where she had a task force that, that along with the, uh, the mayor of New York City and a bunch of others in higher education and the CUNY and the SUNY's in New York that declared that this is a national security issue and we need to see it that way, particularly in California when you take a look at how many students need access. Our campus alone received 88,000 applications for this upcoming fall admission. 88,000
0: applications for 6,000 places. Everyone wants to go to the beach.
1: Yeah, and It's
0: harder to get in here than UCLA. It doesn't mean it's a better school necessarily, but it's just just, statistically harder to get in. We are
1: extremely popular with the student population, and I think it's, it's a credit to what our faculty and staff do each
0: and every day. Wonderful. Well, we'll be back with this wonderful conversation after we pause for these messages.
2: In today's world,
1: everything's connected. From the workplaces that support us, to the homes that welcome us, to the trees and wildlife habitats that remind us how important our environment is. When a bird lands on a branch and in the midst of a busy day, we stop to watch. It makes us realize we're all in the same boat. The Port of Long Beach welcomes this world with open arms, an environmental policy that's second to none, and a commitment to shaping a vibrant community. The Port of Long Beach, thinking outside the docks,
0: We're back continuing our conversation with F. King Alexander, president of CSULB. This show is going to be webcast throughout the world as part of the commencement ceremonies of Long Beach State, uh, May 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. And I know commencement is one of your favorite uh, uh, times of year.
1: It it really is. And if you've never been to one of our commencement ceremonies, it really is like a Mardi Gras. It's a festive atmosphere full of thousands of people. Mardi Gras, he's thinking ahead. (laughs) full of thousands of people that for this may be the only time they ever get an experience of coming onto our campus and just the energies in the air but but more importantly it's a wonderful culmination of what our students have worked so hard to attain. and you individually
0: shake hands with every student who is there at graduation uh, I, all... uh, Nine ceremonies.
1: I will shake probably nine thousand hands from Wednesday morning till Friday evening uh, during those three days, which is it, it's 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 what I love to do.
0: And many thousands and thousands of parents and family and friends attend the graduation ceremonies, but uh, not everyone can do that. We have students from a hundred countries, and they watch it uh on right. the webcast
1: right we've got we've got st- parents and relatives of, of graduates watching all over the world which uh, we welcome their attendance we're pleased that we can showcase what we what we what we're here to do which is to help them graduate and go on to something bigger and better
0: and many of our students are first generation college graduates we're about 40 percent about 40 percent of our students are first generation and you see the pride in the parents and uh, the family and 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 having this young man or woman uh, graduate
1: that's one reason why we don't restrict the number of tickets it's because most cases some of our first generation graduates may bring 20 25 people with them and we'll have about 10 to 12 thousand each each event, uh, different attendance in in each
0: event. Well, let's switch gears for a moment. uh, Our guest is an acknowledged expert in higher education finance, and and you've made many trips to Washington, including uh, meeting with President Obama on this issue of higher education finance. Tell us a little bit about that experience. Well, I,
1: it, first of all, it was, a, it was a great recognition of our university to be identified as one of six public universities to, to actually advise the president on how we're able to keep students out of debt, graduate students with good degrees, and still keep our pricing well below the national average. And that's really what he was asking us about. How, to, how can we keep doing it along with Chapel Hill and a few other institutions? And since then, we've worked closely with the the White House Domestic Policy Group to devise new ways to allocate financial aid and other federal funding levers to not only challenge institutions to keep their costs affordable, but also challenge states so that they don't continue the trends. Of abandoning their commitments to higher education and their students. That's an ongoing discussion. That's and this is
0: known as maintenance of effort where if the states try and back out of their support they're going to be penalized at the federal That's level. That's
1: right and we, we're in the process of seeing how much money can we get in those types of provisions so that states don't simply take federal money and supplant their own money with that money. Um, it, it's, it's a challenge to the states to to almost a matching challenge and a federal state partnership that we're hoping to see more of in the next 3 years.
0: Now you're going to Louisiana State University, you're going to head up the system and also you'll be the chancellor of the campus at Baton Rouge. Uh, they're a land-grant college. I know that that has been uh, played an important role in in our history. Speak for a moment about land-grant. Well, college. it's
1: interesting. Land-grant, particularly relevant, is last July 2nd, the land-grant initiative actually celebrated 150th anniversary. And Abraham Lincoln, people talk about difficult times and how we all deal with difficult times And economic. Well, the Congress and Abraham Lincoln created the best public higher education uh, legislation in, in what we know in the OECD world, which was the great Land-Grant Act in 1862 which basically the federal government said they will give certain lands to states if and only if they create public universities to primarily train and educate agricultural scientists, engineers, and many types of degrees that this nation needed. Um, I think that, that initiative is still very, very much a part of the arteries and heart and soul of American higher education. And in many ways, I think it's, it's time to reinvent what that land-grant mission means to
0: society today in this century. Right. And from, I'm from New York, and I know Cornell is a land-grant college in, in, in New York, which is, is prospering. That,
1: that's why Cornell's part public and part private. It's the labor, economics, and agricultural section of Cornell that's public, and that's the uh,
0: land-grant part. Well, uh, we mentioned earlier, if we short our students, we're shorting the future of our country. And I know that there's a competition for resources. The baby boomers are coming of age, and they're uh, heavy advocates of Medicare and all that. But if, if all the money goes to seniors and very little to our students, uh, where are we going to be in 10 or 20 years? Well, that,
1: that is indeed the big, I think the biggest question this nation faces right now, is that we are on the cusp uh, for the first time in American history Leaving our the next generation with less economic opportunity and educational opportunities than the generation it's before. It's
0: un-American. It, the, the American dream was each generation improves.
1: Right, and this is the real challenge. And I, quite honestly, I don't want to be part of the generation that that re- basically resets that that trend to where we're leaving our next generation with less opportunities than we than and we
0: had. As sad as I know you are leaving Long Beach State, the beach but in Louisiana, you're basically heading the entire system as well as being the chancellor of that particular campus. Right. You'll have a bigger megaphone and voice to articulate these principles. It, it
1: actually, it's it's, also, it's the land-grant university, it's three additional campuses, LSU campuses, two medical schools, a law school, wow. and, and the agricultural sciences, which has connections in every county or parish in the state. So. Many of the things that I'll be working on there are only going to benefit when I'm in Washington, only benefit students here. So we're going to keep fighting, but we'll just be fighting from a different location to benefit our students and our mission.
0: And we hope that Washington will listen because these principles are so important uh, to the country and, and to the students. I mean, the students that don't get into college uh aside from uh, the the economic impact that they're we're not turning them into productive taxpayers as as early as we would like there's the the, the moral challenge of uh, of a life that's not being fulfilled because of the inability to get an education
1: well and and you see a lot of this uh, there's a lot of a, uh, uneasiness about this the arab spring many have attributed to the fact that young people that did receive some types of educational training we're not getting the jobs they need we're not moving in they get educated
0: here and then go back home or
1: vice versa same Same. here and there Um, so we're seeing a lot of things starting to to question how we're functioning as a society and the fact that our social really the social mobility of our population has been relatively stagnant now for about 15 years and so that is a real challenge uh is is how are we going to create the the middle class that is based on a continual social mobility that this nation was really founded to create for so many and the answer is well it's going to be education and and the the challenge we have is to make sure that our states stay vested in this challenge and not remove themselves from their responsibilities to the generations online. so
0: you believe passionately that 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 education is critical and supportive education is critical to the, the future health of our society.
1: Well, I, I, I think the greatest, the, the, one of the greatest policies we developed was the great GI Bill after World War II, and it, it showed, it de- clearly demonstrated, and there was a lot of naysayers about the GI Bill that said that these, if we allow these veterans to come back and go to colleges and universities and then they hit the job market, they're going to push us back into a Great Depression because there won't be enough jobs. What they failed to recognize is by educating the veterans when they came back, that group of veterans created an entirely new economy, new businesses, new industries. They used their human capital and their talent to create a new economy for, for America. That's what they, under, they underestimated when at the beginning of the GI Bill, and thank goodness we went through with it and went through to, to, to adopt it, and our economy has benefited ever since.
0: I'm thinking that Henry Ford, uh, of uh, creator of the production line, paid his workers the unheard of price of $5 a day, I think it was back then, twice or three times as much as, and people said you're crazy, but he created uh... the economic basis so that these workers could buy ford cars uh,
1: you say it, it 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 it's cyclical the whole yeah. thing is si- cyclical and yeah. and the more we educate students the more we educate the next generation the more jobs the more their minds will create an entirely new economy that's that's more modern that's more futuristic that that is exactly
0: what we need in many of our states and you look at the transformation of lives right here on our campus uh... uh... they uh, how many lives are transformed each and every year as we graduate this, this new crop of students?
1: Exactly. And then in addition to that, the fact that the earnings capacity of a graduate has never been better than it is today. The earnings capacity of a high school student that doesn't pursue college has never been worse. Yeah. So we not only have to help these students get enrolled, but we have to help them finish what they start. And that's what we do here very well.
0: Well, I'd like to just take a moment before our, our show ends to publicly thank uh, President Alexander for his contribution to our campus and to our community. Uh, uh, the seven and a half years that he's been here uh, has been one of great growth and excitement here on campus, and uh, uh, he's made a real difference, as I'm sure he will down in Louisiana. So. Uh, Uh, A public thanks for a job well done while you're here. Thank you Art, it's because we have so many great people that have made this happen, for all of us. Well, we have about a minute or so left in the show and I just want to give it to you to say whatever you want to the Long Beach community, to us here on campus, whatever you want.
1: Well, I'd just like to thank Long Beach. It it is one of this country's greatest hidden gems and uh, we found that out when when we arrived here. We love Long Beach. We love the people here. The university is, will always hold a special place in our hearts. And we'll be back an awful lot. We're, we're, not, we're not leaving for good. We're gonna be back quite a bit. We have so many great friends here, but, but it's just a really hidden gem that the rest of the country is discovering. That more, more of my colleagues throughout the United States hear more and more of because of the way the city and the university functions together. So I just thank everybody for their commitment to our university and our students.
0: Well, we will miss you. And we thank you. And I know that, as you mentioned, you will be fighting the good fight down in Louisiana for, for students throughout the country uh, to see that, uh, that they get the education that they need and deserve. Certainly, certainly will. Okay. That, that, that is my pledge for a lifetime. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Art. And thank you for joining us. Uh, please be with us again next week. Good night, everyone.
1: Straight Talk has been brought to you by Southern California Edison, the Press-Telegram, And remember, Straight Talk is viewable worldwide 24-7 at straighttalktv.com.